I read uh, in First Samuel. I was I was reading, and something just stood out to me. And it's I don't know. I've probably preached about everything I can find in this Bible over the last twenty-three or four or five years, whatever. But I um, just came back and took a second look at this, and uh, I, I began to look at Saul and. Uh, the 15th chapter, and you don't have to stand for the reading of the word because I will probably read most of this chapter in its entirety and make comments uh, along the way as I, as I read and things that stand out to me in this, <coughs> in this chapter. How many can say preach to us, preacher? All right, 1 Samuel chapter 15 starting at the first verse. And Samuel, or Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee king over his people, over Israel. And now, we're already getting a message out of this right here, just beginning. He anointed you to be king over Israel. Don't sound like, okay, he's going to be king, but there's quite a... a responsibility to being king you got to make important decisions when you're the ruler you're the 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 head you got to make important decisions you got to make wise decisions you got to know when to make decisions and stick by them and when morality is in, is involved and uh, culture is involved and all of these things especially in this uh, early age of bible history and uh uh, you just had to know how to make decisions and stand by them and make sure they were of God. And if God spoke to you, uh, this was the time of the prophets. If he spoke to you through one of the prophets, it was your responsibility, your obligation uh, to follow forth and carry out the word of the Lord. And this in so many words, this is what the prophet is telling Samuel. Now you're the king over Israel. Now you hearken and to the voice of the words of the Lord. In other words, what Samuel was telling him, I am the voice, and what I'm speaking to you is the word of the Lord. A lot of times, not heaping, you know, things up on my own head, but here, a lot of times, I have to speak what God, I feel like God has given us for this particular assembly and uh, I have to preach that it's the words that the God wants us to have but it, you know it's through my voice or or whoever's voice uh, is in this pulpit or whatever pulpit and it said thus saith the Lord of hosts I remember that which Amalek did to Israel now the, the Lord is in a state of remembrance here he's going back over some things that, uh, that happened earlier in the history of the Israelites exodus and uh, he's going back over these. And uh, so Saul should have realized, you know, God, uh, God's setting things in order. And sometimes uh, it seems like we go a long ways in a, in, a, in a great distance of time. And all of a sudden uh, things begin to fall into place and things begin to happen. And a lot of times I feel like God 
lets things happen to get our attention. And uh, uh, sometimes things happen that we don't have any control over. But that does not mean that God is not with us. God is not for us. We have to understand uh, that God is going to rectify things. God is going to make things right. God talks about people that he has reserved until the day of judgment. It looks like, as Asa said, at my feet were almost gone and I might not slipped when I looked at the prosperity of the wicked. Asa spent about every day of his adult life in the temple uh, working with choirs and singing and uh, all of these things in the temple. But when he stepped outside of the temple, he began to thank and he began to look at the prosperity of the wicked. And uh, uh, it almost got him down when he looked at how such wicked people could get by and, and, and not be reproved or not uh, have to face any kind of, uh, of penance or, uh, or reformation. And uh, uh, it, it worked on him rather long as he began to look at this. And uh, he said it almost got him down and it almost, uh, it almost slipped. But we have to remember that God has people in reserve for judgment. And they were getting by with it. This is what God Asa, uh, this is what got him in this uh, state of discouragement encouragement is when he looked uh, and he considered everything that wicked people were doing and they were getting by with it and uh, we have things in this in this uh, uh, world today that it, we stand back and we're in awe at how it can go unpunished and how they can get by and, and there's no reformation made and uh, uh, but you just wait they're just getting by but they're not getting away there's a judgment day that is coming there's a day that God's going to look at it, and it's going to see, he's going to say, hey, it's time for you to pay for the things uh, uh, that you've done. And, and the Lord is sitting there and he's bringing this and he said, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to the did to Israel and how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. And now Egypt was on their way, uh, uh, or Israel was on their way out of Egypt, uh, their exodus. They had been in slavery for over 400 years, Brother Adam. They were excited. We're going to the promised land. We're, we're, we're getting a new beginning. And they left with a high hand. They left with most of the wealth of the Egyptians when they left and just take it, just go, and we're, we're, we're glad to see you go. You've, you've brought a lot of trouble. So they left with a high hand. They were celebrating, and they were on their way to the promised land, and it's kind of, uh, you know, coincides with the way that we are today. We're on our way to heaven, and some days we're just so excited, and everything's going our way. It doesn't seem like anything could ever go wrong, and then one morning we wake up, and it seems like all hell has broke loose the world and the the, the the devil is attacking us from every angle of our life and we if we're not careful we'll sit down uh, and we'll get discouraged why is this happening uh, uh, why is this allowed uh, uh, to happen brother Caleb told uh, a story the other day I had sat in the office of our business and uh, a young lady come in and she had had a pretty rough life she was abused and misused uh, uh, 
uh, in her uh, uh, her young young adult life, and uh, uh, she had a lot of questions, and she had a lot of blame uh, that she was pushing uh, uh, toward God. And why did God let this happen? And well, people, uh, good bad things happen to good people, and uh, uh, there's a lot of evil people in the world, and they inflict uh, a lot of unnecessary things on good people. Uh, uh, but it does not mean that they're getting by. It doesn't mean uh, that they're going to get away with it. And he's considering Amalek. They laid in wait. Uh, and when they went by, they come in. They begin to uh, uh, pick them off and uh, uh, to make war against them. They wasn't doing anybody no harm. Uh, we're just on our way to the promised land. Uh, we can typify that with our life uh, today. We're just on the way. I'm not here to do any harm in this world. I'm not here to do any evil in this world, but still yet uh, some bad things happen to good people uh, uh, but it's not going unnoticed uh, by God and these Amaleks laid uh, and they attacked the children uh, of Israel when they w was on their way uh, to the promised land and God took note of that and uh, he said now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have spare them not but slay both man and woman infant and suckling ox and sheep, camel, and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and he numbered them in Telaim, uh, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, go depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. Other words, we're going to make a difference between the clean and the unclean. We're going to make a little difference between those uh, that's doing right and those done wrong. And even though the Kenites uh, uh, were mixed in with the Amalekites, uh, uh, I'm going to give you a chance here. Separate yourself. I feel like that's what God's doing to us, uh, uh, Brother Williams, in this life. He's given us a, a chance. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Uh, uh, it's only a dressing room. I'm just passing through. Uh, uh, you know, love not the world, neither the things uh, that are in the world. If any man love the world, uh, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because uh, they are spiritually discerned. The Bible talks about great is the mystery of godliness. Uh, there's very few people it seems like in this world uh, that can uh, uh, make that decisive uh, moment or that discernment between good uh, and evil, between carnal uh, and spirituality. And this is what is fixing to take place. Uh, you better get out of here because uh, we're fixing to execute judgment. Uh, we're fixing to, to deliver the sinner uh, uh, up to God at his command. Uh, and so the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Uh, the sinner departed from the world. Just because the sinners, a lot of times we hear somebody make the statement, I'm not going to the church because there's too many hypocrites uh, at the church. Uh, well, we may remember the parable about the sower and then they come in at the last and said, look, uh, uh, it's right now at time of harvest uh, and we're detecting a lot of things that look like wheat, uh, but it's not wheat. 
wheat. The Bible terms that as a tear. It was just a grain of uh, a weed that simply had the head that resembled uh, uh, the wheat, and but it wasn't wheat. Uh, and they said, should we get it out? He said, no, uh, uh, the grain's ripe. We'll do more damage. We'll lose more than we will. You just bring it all in and then we'll separate the wheat, wheat from the tares uh, at the harvest time and we'll throw the chaff uh, and into the fire and it's going to be consumed, consumed uh, with, with fire and that's the way he was going to separate that and uh, uh, so this is the way it's happening at judgment day God's going to take care of all of that uh, that we've looked at that seems so wrong uh, for so long and uh, uh, I'm telling you something uh, uh, we're looking at this and he, he said uh, he's separating them we're, we're getting ready to purge we're getting ready to do what God wants and he and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until, until thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. We have no reason giving here why Saul would want to take the king, the very head, the one, uh, you know, that Jerish dicked everything uh, that took place. Everything that happened, uh, this man was responsible for in the kingdom. And just like Saul, uh, everything that Saul is doing and, 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 and about to do uh, in this uh, setting of scripture, uh, God's going to hold him accountable. Uh, you've got to understand today that God is going to hold you personally accountable for every idle work uh, uh, that you've done. God is not playing. When he speaks uh, uh, he means what he says and he took the king of Amalekite, of the Amalekites alive. A man that he was dead had specific instruction to destroy, to take away. Sometimes things uh, in our life uh, uh, that God is commanding us in his word uh, we can't have no part of. We can't get involved with. Uh, uh, we have to separate uh, ourselves from them. And God is giving us and through this dispensation of grace. He's giving us uh, this time to separate uh, ourselves from worldliness and ungodliness uh, and unholiness. He's giving us this period of time. And we think God will accept me as I am. Surely the mercies of God will be extended. And we'll, we'll read about Agag here uh, in just a little while. And, uh, uh, but he destroyed everything, everybody else with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not, the Bible said, would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and, and refuse, they destroyed utterly. Everything that was trashy, everything that was no value. You know, in our life, it's easy to get rid of the, the things that we don't like. 
It's not a comfort to us. It's no use to us. It's a, of no value. It's easy to get rid of that. But when it gets down, sometimes we find things uh, that this flesh really desires. We find things uh, that this flesh, the lust of this flesh, uh, it really desires. We've seen that, and Brother Caleb, I think, talked about it uh, Wednesday night. We've seen it with Achan when he, uh, he looked at the Babylonian garment. He looked at the gold. He looked at the silver. Uh, uh, well, I don't understand. Understand that well. He had been forty years uh, in the wilderness. No doubt, you know, the Bible talks about their uh, their clothes never wore out, their shoes stretched uh, uh, to fit their feet uh, on this journey from from uh, Egypt. And uh, uh, you know, so Achan, he, you know, maybe he's feeling a little intimidated. I'm going to the promised land, and he's looking over and he's seeing this garment and all this extra change uh, uh, that's laying around. And man, uh, I'm going to be the best dressed man in the promised land uh, uh, but he takes these things that were forbidden of God and sometimes uh, you know he didn't take any pottery he didn't take uh, any of the garbage that was laying around but he took things uh, uh, that in that present time and, and a lot of us uh, uh, today it's all about money it's all about dress uh, and prestige and if we're not careful we get caught up in that and it consumes us and I've seen many uh, that lost their walk with God in the pursuit uh, of happiness, if you want, and thinking uh, the home, the car, the clothing, uh, and the money is what brings uh, happiness. And uh, uh, but anyway, Achan he takes these things uh, uh, because they were of value, and he hides them. Uh, and God punishes him. The the man of God begin to make intercession. What's going on? Uh, uh, why is there no liberty in our service? Uh, uh, why is there no joy in our life? Why? Is there no happiness and contentment? Why are we always looking to drugs and to alcohol and uh, uh, substance abuse uh, uh, and pornography to bring us joy and happiness because there's something lacking. Uh, uh, there is a deficiency uh, in our life and uh, we, get, uh, uh, we get all mixed up and we begin to look to, for these things uh, that will bring the flesh uh, and bring life happiness. And But when it's all gone, uh, we're more miserable than we were uh, uh, before and uh, so everything that was of no value they destroyed uh, but when it got down to the thoroughbreds and it got down uh, to the prize heifers and uh, uh, thank of this nature, oh, we're gonna we're gonna keep them for sacrifice. Uh, but as they went on, they would have found a way to have kept that, and uh, uh, so they 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 destroyed utterly. And then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, "Sometimes uh, we can have such a great time, and we're getting involved with all these things that I just named, uh, uh, pleasing the flesh, and uh, uh, it seems like we're going so good, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, one." night the evangelist comes by uh, and he begins to evangelize the congregation uh, and they begin to be made aware of uh, and then all of a sudden there is a condemnation or a conviction uh, that comes upon them and they know uh, that it's time to separate uh, uh, themselves and the word of the Lord came unto Samuel saying it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, uh, and he cried unto the Lord all night. I have preached 
in times past uh, uh, the necessity of intercessory prayer and then I have preached about the importance uh, of an intercessor and Saul uh, Samuel here is making intercession uh, all night long I have woke up uh, in wee hours of the morning with people in the congregation uh, on my heart I knew they were struggling I knew they were going uh, through things and I, I knew that I could only be a cheerleader in the back saying you can make it with God all things are possible uh, uh, to him that can believe and I can encourage you uh, just like a cheerleader at the at the football t- uh, game or the baseball game uh, and they begin to call names and I'm old school but uh, if Adam can't do it Jimbo can if Jimbo can't do it uh, Brother Cliff can and, uh, uh, and if he can't do it nobody can and uh, they cheer on and a lot of times uh, just the cheering of the crowd will stir up uh, uh, a, a spirit of competition uh, and we can win this game and I've played uh, a lot of tournaments growing up and uh, uh, it's when it seemed like you were down uh, and man you, you just no way you were going to win the game and then all of a sudden uh, somebody started a rally and uh, uh, got two or three on base and somebody hit a home run and tied the game and man uh, uh, the enthusiasm and the morale of the team came up and many, many times went on to win the game. And a lot of times a preacher, sometimes that's what I feel like. I'm just a cheerleader. I'm just pushing. I'm just trying to encourage. But there comes a time that you've got to speak to yourself. We can win this game. We can make it. We can be an overcomer. God is with me. My wife, a lot of times I didn't like to go to the ballpark with my wife. She's very verbal. She starts screaming out, you can do that. And then when one of her kids done something, you know, made a real great performance, that's my boy, I knew he could do it. But sometimes that's what we need. We, we, we just need an intercessor, somebody that can intercede. Somebody can say, come on, Brother Adam, you can make it. Look, I know you're going through a trial. It seems like it's long as a wagon track, both ends kicked out of it. I mean, it's trouble, but you can make it, Brother Adam. Look, you got to pray, and you got to you got to convince people that they need to pray when they don't feel like praying. They don't want to pray. Sometimes people, they're enjoying the, 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 the substance abuse that they're involved in. They, they, they love being bound the pipe by pro- pro- pornography because it feeds the flesh. And you're, you're trying to touch them. Look, there's a better way. You can be set free. You can make it. Uh, all you got to do is pray. You got to fast. You got to pray. You got to crucify the lust of this flesh with all of its works uh, and all of its deeds. you got to crucify it, crucify it. And all we're doing is trying to encourage you and to make intercession. And when I see sometimes that we seem like we have failed this point, I've laid and I've wept bitterly. I've cried because people were leaving the church. I've cried because people are getting discouraged and I, I can't get, get it over to them. you got to press by this. Uh, there's something better. Oh, God. 
It repenteth me that I made him to be king. He's turned his back from following me. Hadn't performed my commandments. You know who was responsible? Just like I'm talking about feeling responsible. Saul was king. Saul was ruler. And he was the man they asked for. He was the man they voted in. Even though the prophet said he's going to take your sons, he's going to impose heavy taxes, uh, he's going to take a large portion of your crops uh, to support his kingdom. Uh, Man, you got it made. But no, they wanted what they wanted, uh, and now that they've got it, they've got a man that is failing to do his job. I told you sometimes I preach to myself. I don't want to fail. He hath not performed my commandments. He grieved Samuel. He cried all night unto the Lord. All night. Make an intercession. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul, come to Carmel. Or Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set him up a place and has gone about. You know what Saul is doing? making, setting up in a memorial to himself. One little battle that he thought he won, but he failed miserably. And now he's over here setting up a memorial while the man of God is in turmoil. The man of God is crying. The man of God is making intercession. He's in the prayer room while somebody else is out trying to build themselves a name. I want to tell you something. Sometimes it looks like the world is, is really uh, passing you by, but sometimes we just got to stop. We got to stand for Jesus and let the world go by regardless of what's happening, uh, regardless of how it looks like everybody else is prospering, uh, everybody else is getting all the benefits, uh, and you're just a little old meager saint of God uh, over in the corner, but don't never forget about the importance uh, of an intercessor. Uh, Where would this world be at today uh, if there wasn't men across this nation uh, that was in intercessory prayer, uh, praying for the church, uh, praying for the bride of Christ, uh, praying that God would have his will, uh, praying that evil would be uh, uh, put away from us. Where would we be today? He's gone about. He's setting him up a place and gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And man, be thou of the Lord. And I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Well, let's see what he says here in a little bit. And Samuel said, If you have done everything, I'm paraphrasing here, If you've done everything that you're supposed to have done, what is the blading of the sheep that I hear? The lowing of the oxen that I hear. Where did all this cattle come from? Where did all this spoil come from if you've obeyed? What meaneth the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them, they have brought them. I want to tell you something, you're responsible for your own self. If my wife don't live for God, I've got to go on. 
If I quit today, she's got to go on. Bible said, seek out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. That's what Brother Williams has been on uh, on that expedition for the last uh, several months. And uh, so we're responsible for ourselves. And uh, But they brought them from the Amalekites for the people. The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen. Well, let me tell you something. Saul is the one that's responsible. Saul was the one that was set over the king over them. Saul led them into battle. And to sacrifice unto the Lord, now all of a sudden, it's thy God. Saul really knows how to present himself to get what he wants and to put the blame where it needs to go. To sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we've utterly destroyed. Notice how quickly he throws that in. But it doesn't get by God. And a lot of times you get by the preacher. But Saul's not getting by Samuel here. Because Samuel is, God is speaking to Samuel. And a, a lot of times I don't know anything. But what I feel when I step into the pulpit. And I begin to preach. And God begins to quicken. And I, I begin to deal with things. And all of a sudden I see someone begin to weep and to cry. And I, I realize uh, you know, where this uh, anointing is going. And, and where these words uh, are going. And uh, it's, it's having a personal effect and the Lord's and Samuel said unto Saul stay in other words shut up Saul and listen to me he said stay and I'm going to tell you what the Lord has said unto me this night just 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 shut it down and listen to what God has to say. Sometimes in our life, that's what it's not what we want. I talked about the other day. Well, I feel, I feel, I. It doesn't matter what we feel. It's what the book says. What does the Bible say about it? That's what we compare our life to. If it's written in the Word of God, we try to conform to the Word of God. Stop. I'm going to tell you what God told me. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, I don't even, I really don't understand or, or think that Saul at this point even yet thinks he's in any kind of trouble. He's so proud of his accomplishments. He's so, he's so taken so much pride in the thing that he's accomplished that I, I, I don't, I think he thinks it's justifiable. said, Samuel said, when thou was little in your own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And he sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Fight against them. We got to fight against sin. We got to fight against sin. Can't just walk through. Sometimes you got to put up a fight. You got to resist. Bible said resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You don't resist him. You go to entertaining him. You go to have conversation with him. You wind up like Eve did in the garden. And fight against them they're consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But didst fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of God. And Samuel said, and Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I've obeyed the voice of God. 
and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. Now, how do you obey God? And then in the next voice, and I did bring the king back and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but he did not destroy the very head of the matter. He did not destroy the very center of infection, the thing that had led the Amalekites into the things they were involved in. But I've done, I've gone which, the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, king of Amalek, and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. One minute his God, and then the next minute, man, we're going to sacrifice to your God, prophet. Preacher, I've been doing uh, everything God wants me to do. We look at, a, all of us look like fine, good, upstanding Christians in here uh, this morning. The title of my message, and just for a little bit I want to deal with, what are you hiding behind? What's behind your sacrifice today? Everybody looks good in the worship service. Everybody has that appearance of holiness. But they come in sometimes with vile, wicked thoughts, actions. Not paying your bills. Not paying your tithes. Not paying your offerings. Not... Uh, getting, getting involved with all kinds of things. And then we come and we present this uh, uh, holy, sacri- holy looking sacrifice uh, unto God. If we would have looked at the appearance uh, of Samuel or of uh, Saul's sacrifice, uh, uh, we would have thought, surely, man, this is the best. Uh, and God only wants our best. Uh, I'm telling you something. God don't want your best. God wants your everything. God wants uh, everything about you you. He's a jealous God. Uh, He's not going to share with you. He don't want any idolatrous affair and he don't want any adulterous affair uh, uh, with God. He he wants you and he wants you uh, in your entirety. He don't want a a little mixture of sin. Uh, He don't want you coming in with sin uh, all in your life and then begin to worship, uh, shout, to dance, to praise, uh, uh, to give maybe the biggest offering uh, and it all looks good but really what is behind your sacrifice what is the hidden man of the heart what's really hiding in your heart are you full of lust are you full of lasciviousness are you full of envy hatred murder and strife all of these things it's the hidden man of the heart that a lot of times the preacher can't see the other saints can't see even your spouse does not see see uh, and you are putting on such a front. Uh, you are offering, the it looks like uh, uh, the very best uh, that you're offering but you're hiding behind uh, your disobedience. Uh, you're hiding behind uh, uh, this is what I think. Uh, this is what I want. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and then we come to church uh, and we give God 15, 20 minutes uh, of worship. Uh, maybe 20 
or 30 minutes uh, of prayer in the prayer room. Uh, uh, then maybe 30 minutes to uh, maybe an hour uh, of listening to the word of God. But it never penetrates. It never purifies. It never brings a state of repentance. And nobody ever learns penance. They look good on the outside. You can look at court records every day. And I look at people that look like are a good upstanding citizens. I've looked at, I've had pastor friends across the fellowship that is failed to immorality. And their churches have became a, a, a black mark in the community. Oh, he looked good. He looked holy. He looked conservative. He preached to others. Oh, I've seen them where they were so mean. Not really in the fellowship, but I heard them. They preached holiness. If your dress wasn't dragging out your tracks and your shirt sleeves wasn't hanging to your knees, I'm telling you, you was a rank sinner. They would preach on fornication. They'd preach on adultery and adultery and come to find out they had ladies in their offices. They were shipping ladies to conferences uh, and putting them in separate rooms uh, getting up and preaching to others uh, let me tell you something uh, there's sinful people in this world uh, oh brother Samson uh, I'm telling you something if brother Samson uh, don't keep his flesh uh, under subjection the Bible talks about when you preach to others uh, you yourself uh, became a castaway uh, I want to tell you something uh, you can't go by the sacrifice uh, you can't go by the outward appearance. Oh, some of you look so holy, but you're as wicked as wicked can be on the inside. And that is our nature of each and every one of us. I'm not just pointing a finger at you. I'm throwing myself. I have to bring every thought into obedience and captivate my thinking. Every thought, brother Matt Seegers, to the obedience of Christ. Yeah, I've got a carnal mind. I'm a mind uh, uh, sometimes it wants to be a mind of its own uh, and I have to get a hold of my thinking. Uh, sometimes I get to thinking about things uh, that people's done to me. Uh, I get to thinking about the wrong that I've been done uh, uh, and I, I go to building up a bad attitude uh, but I have to get a hold of myself. Uh, I got to start preaching to myself. Uh, I got to bring myself uh, under subjection to the presence of God. Can't come in here with hatred and malice and things in my heart and try to preach the word of God to somebody else. The old timers used to say, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Well, that's the way it is this morning. When I preach to others that I myself might become a castaway. I've looked at men in the political realm some of the presidents of our United States, and man, you put your confidence in them. You put your vote uh, maybe toward them, and maybe you didn't have any choice, but uh, uh, still dignitaries, so you have uh, respect. And the Bible say, says pray for our magistrates. I, I, I pray for our, 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 our Congress. I pray for our presidency. I, I, I pray for our representatives. Uh, uh, but we, we, we put them in such a state, and then uh, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, especially around election time, uh, uh, the news media 
is they begin to, uh, they begin to bring out all of the bad against the opponents. Uh, and it seemed really what it comes down to, whoever's uh, got the most money, uh, they win the battle. And they may, they may rep- represent one of the greatest countries uh, in the world today, but let me tell you something. All of a sudden, uh, uh, we begin to get reports uh, and confessions and condemnations uh, of about where they've committed immorality and they've embezzled uh, and they've stolen and they've taken. Uh, I'm telling you something, it's disheartening. Uh, it's a letdown. Uh, but regardless of what happens in the White House, uh, I'm still an American. Uh, I still believe in my country. Uh, I still uphold uh, what democracy uh, uh, that we have left. Uh, I want to tell you something. Uh, oh, it's not going to be election time, uh, but it's going to be judgment day. Uh, and God, you're going to come before God uh, and you're going to say, I've done this uh, and I've done this. Uh, the Bible said they're going to come and said, uh, but Lord, he's going to say, depart from me. Uh, I never knew you. And they're going to begin to say, but Lord, uh, I've done many great things uh, in your name. I look good in the public. I look good uh, uh, in society, God. Uh, I promoted, uh, oh, but if we never preach truth, uh, if we never preach this word of God, uh, if we never preach the things that God give us uh, uh, to preach because uh, maybe we were afraid it would offend uh, uh, the good tithe pairs uh, and the faithful ones uh, in the offering and maybe we back up uh, just a little bit or try to figure out a way uh, uh, to sugarcoat it to keep from offending but the Bible talks about the God God will bring offenses he said I didn't come to bring peace he said I come to divide he's going to divide the sheep from the goat if you please he's going to take the clean from the unclean on judgment day I'm telling you something we feel like we elect what looks like the very best when on our elections we're not very many very many months in into the election uh, or into the term and we find out uh, we've made a bad mistake. Uh, we've got somebody that can't do uh, what he's supposed to do. Uh, he, we got somebody in there that's there to line uh, their own pockets. Uh, uh, we got somebody there uh, that's not upholding uh, his end of the bargain. He looked good. Uh, Saul looked like he fit uh, the, the, the position uh, of a king. Uh, he was comely. He was good uh, uh, to look upon. He was masculine. Uh, uh, He was head and shoulders uh, above everybody. Uh, He plowed with 12 yoke uh, of oxen. He was a man uh, among men on the outward. Uh, But when it come right down to it, uh, Saul could not do the things uh, that God commanded him. Oh, he tried to hide behind a good sacrifice, a good presentation. But the Lord was looking beyond the presentation and looking at the disobedience. Oh, I'm telling you something. I've heard people, please don't expose me. I'll change. I'll do different. And we have tried to help people before. But you can't help somebody that don't want to be helped. You can't help somebody uh, that don't want to learn repentance. Uh, You can send them to the penitentiary, uh, but if they don't learn penance, uh, they're no different when they get out. Uh, You've got to change. 
You've got to let God get a hold of this heart. You've got to let God change you from the inside out. Oh, you could fool Brother Sampson a lot of the time. You could fool part of the people some of the time, but you can't fool everybody all the time. It's going to come out. It's going to come out. It don't matter what your presentation is. God's looking beyond. God's looking at the rebellion in your heart. He's saying, come serve me. You're saying, I don't want to serve God. I want the lust. I want the, uh, the profanity. I want, the, I want the, uh, uh, all the other things that the world has uh, to offer. I want to come to church. I want to feel the presence of God. But now that's as far uh, as it wants to go. What are you doing? You're rebelling against God. You're rebelling against the word of God. You are hiding behind your sacrifice. You look good during the day or in church, but what are you during the day? You look good around Christians, but what do you do when you're not around, when you're around non-Christian? Do you laugh at their jokes? Do you laugh at their profanity? Do you get involved with their pornography? Do you laugh at the things that they laugh at? You share the photos that they have stored in their phone. Give me a little toke. Give me a little puff off the pipe to help settle my nerves. Give me a little shot of alcohol to help me relate or to deal with reality. And then come back to the church. Try to repent. But what's going to happen someday when you walk in to the house of God? The people took of the spoil, the sheep, the ox, and the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord. God wanted the best for himself. Just like when Achan, that's what got Achan in trouble. It was a curse thing. It belonged to God. After this battle, this first battle, Brother Williams, I'm going to take everything. You destroy everything. It belongs to me. After this, you take of the spoil as much as you want. Gideon couldn't make one little sacrifice. should have utterly been destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? What are you talking about? Just obey God. Just obey. Find it in this Bible and live up to it. Just live up to what it says. That the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey, it's better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the, than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. We're getting down to just little bitty things, things that can be hid in the heart. 
the mount, in the in the buying and the thinking, and no one ever knows. You worship before God. You offer a sacrifice of praise to God. You have all these things in your life that you're hid behind. But I feel God, Brother Samson. God does touch me. I repented for getting involved in the drinking, the smoking, the uh, fornication affair, the adulterous affair, all, all, all of these things. I, I've repented for that. Yeah. Then you come back next service and you have to repent again in the next service to repent again. What are you doing? Actually, you're rejecting the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee, Saul, from being king. Now here comes confession. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord thy the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. If I was that kind of a preacher today, some of you are probably sitting here thinking, he is tearing me up and he's doing it on purpose. Let me tell you something. When God spoke this to me, I had no idea. I knew Brother Williams was going to be here. As we had talked earlier, I had no idea who was going to be here today. So don't, don't, don't feel that way is what I'm trying to say. But I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. What kind of a preacher would I be? Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. I've sinned, just sin. Now he wants to worship God. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Now, in the church, sometimes we have positions that uh, people are disqualified from being able to hold. It doesn't make them lost. Uh, it doesn't make them not covered by the grace of God. Uh, but just to be holding a position, you're not going to be able to hold that. And this is where Saul is. Or, uh, uh, Saul is. He's, he's, not, he's no longer uh, the chosen king. Now, he's going to remain for a while. And the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. Now listen to this. Sometimes people want to struggle with the preacher. They want to argue with the preacher. They, uh, they want to get in a tussle with the preacher. A lot of times after church, I've seen people make their way to the front. They're demanding explanations and they're demanding this. Uh, and the preacher just give it to them right out of the word of God. Quote them uh, scripture verbatim for exactly what it was. Uh, and here they come. I just want to know what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that. And uh, how come I can't? And just he just laid it out to them in the word of God. You want to struggle with the word of God. You want to struggle with the preacher. And you want to struggle with yourself. But it's not going to make any difference. It's not going to, your tradition is not going to make the word of God of none effect. Well, I'm doing all I know. Well, you better search the scripture. You better make your calling and election sure. You better know that you know. It's what this is talking about. 
He turned to go, as Samuel turned about to go, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and he rent it. Fighting with the man of God. You, you, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna give me answers. You're going you're gonna to make, make it, you're going to fix it where, I, where I'm going to be comfortable with what I'm doing. Samuel said it's not going to happen. When he turned to go, he wrestled with the prophet. And Samuel turned and, he, and Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and he hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. God's not respecter of person, but he does look at the heart. We've, just, we've, we've talked about that before. When Cain and Abel come to present their sacrifice before the Lord, the Bible said God looked at Cain and his sacrifice. What I get from that, he looked at the one given the sacrifice before he even looked at the sacrifice. And then he looked at Abel and his sacrifice. He's looking at the person first. God don't care how high you jump. You don't, he, he, how long you worship. I've seen people that pray for an hour and worship as hard as they could worship for 30 minutes, leave the congregation and get on their phone and send dirty text messages. The girls that were still in the congregation, I've seen that in the church. So if you think you came to a perfect church this morning, it's not just this church. It's things I've experienced all across the fellowship. This is what people do. We can't be responsible for what somebody else does. What makes me guilty is when I make amends for you to get by with what you're wanting to get by with and I don't stand and reprimand and preach to you the unadulterated word of God. It's unmixed. There's no contaminant in the word of God. It's just pure. It's the word of God. But he looks at that heart. That heart, it, you can't cover up sin because God's, God's looking what's on the inside. He's given it to someone more deserving than you. We read later in Scripture that David, just in a little while here, he will be anointed king and you can read that later at home and uh, he was a man after God's own heart but wasn't David an adulteress didn't David have a conspiracy to commit murder yes he did but God also knew that he had a repentant heart Saul you can read he just goes on and on and finally in the beginning he he goes to somebody to seek advice that he was one time they were trying to wipe out of the uh, kingdom and out of, the, out of that district, that geographical region, witchcraft and witches and fortune tellers. And they, was put, they, was put, they put them to death. And we find Saul, after rejecting the word of God and disobeying the prophet, not doing what the prophet tells him. We find in his latter days when he's in trouble, who's he trying to bring up from the dead? Just if the word of God, if you'll just speak to me one more time. And also, verse 29, it said, and also the strength of Israel, which 
of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. In this day and time, they were dealing strictly with God himself. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. Many, many times I've given people the second chance. And I didn't feel like they were going to do any different. But to be Christ-like, you give people the second chance. You go the second mile. You stick your neck out. We had Brother Toby Guthrie here the last Sunday, last Sunday. Guilty of murder. Sentenced to life in prison in Gola Strait Prison. 95% of inmates in Angola with a life sentence die in Angola. 95%. God gave Toby Guthrie, Sister Parker's nephew, favor. Found the Lord. Pastored in the pastored a Pentecostal church inside of the penitentiary. You can live for God in the penitentiary. You could surely live for God out here on the street. But he got favor with the governor. He got favor with the governor's wife. The guards took him. He was going to church one night, needed a ride on the penitentiary. They sent him. Outside, a couple guards come along, and he told this, but he didn't. He said, are you Toby Guthrie? And he said, yes, I am. They said, come with us. They took Brother Toby outside the penitentiary gates and said, wait right here. And they left. They were testing him at the time. And just a little while, an SUV pulls up. He starts to get into the back, and the man in the SUV says, look, get in the front. He gets in. It's the head warden of Angola State Prison. He said, get in the front. And when this convicted murderer got into the front seat with the warden outside the penitentiary, he had his whole family in the SUV. They had watched his life, and many of them began to tell him, Toby Guthrie, you do not belong in a penitentiary. Because he learned penance. And another time when he was taken to work for the governor, and uh, where the governor lived, and he, he worked there for, I think it was 13 years, I think he was a, a, a chef for the governor. But the, one of the patrolmen, he needed some clothing, and... He took Toby down to the, I believe it was a Walmart store. and He said, go in and get what you need and I'll be back in a couple hours. And left him in it. He said, I'm thinking. When you come to God, you must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. If you're serious about living for God. Saul had no intentions of crucifying his flesh. 
When he got the position he got, it went to his head. He lost his balance. I've seen Christians that lose their balance. But Brother Toby earned the reputation that he could be trusted. The governor's wife. This man was hardly no one, hardly anybody in his term got a pardon. The Toby was so, he, he confessed, he said, I didn't even have a number. There was no way to identify me to even get parole. I'm thankful today that when I was so far gone, that God signed my pardon. Jesus signed my pardon, this I surely know. He took my place at Calvary. Now I don't have to go. All my life I'll give to him because he gave his for me. Jesus signed my pardon at Calvary. He signed my pardon. He looked beyond the feeble little sacrifice. But I'm so righteous, Brother Samson. My Bible tells me that our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags in the eyes of God. The best, Brother Ryan, that I can do, you know what? I'm coming up short. The very right, righteousness, most righteous that I can be in the, in, in, compared to God's righteousness, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep on sacrifice and I'm going to keep on striving. I'm going to keep on trying my best to do what God would be pleased with. What do you hide? Are you hiding behind something today? Are you looking the perfect Christian but your life is full of rebellion and disobedience to the word of God, to the, to the man of God? What are you hiding behind today? What's behind your sacrifice today? What's your motive? What is the intent? You go to church on Sunday, the old song said, act like a hypocrite Monday. This is what God was looking at. Saul, you're not going to change. You act like you're offering the very best, but all through your sacrifice, you've done exactly what Saul wanted to do, and you've rejected God. And really, you made God look bad in front of the kingdom. You have to do what God says. You can, you can offer him a satisfactory supplement for a sacrifice. But does it please God? Oh, Brother Samson. The Bible talks about if you come, you put your gift on the altar. When you come and you pray, and you've got odd against your brother, you've got hatred, you've got malice, the Bible says, leave it there, go make it right, and then come back. But how often have we sat there thinking that somebody done me wrong and I can't deal with what they done 
you've got hatred and malice in your life, you harbor that and you try to pray over that and pray over that and pray over that. I told the story so many times of Uncle Verrill Durbin when they tore the little old country church down on K Highway, just a little, probably not much wider in a row of pews and not that long. And they were tearing it down. They built a new building behind it. And he stopped and he said, when y'all get up in there tearing them rafters around, down the roof off, he said, you look around in there. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, Verl, he was an alcoholic. He stopped out on the highway. He said, you just look around up there. He said, you're going to find some prayers roosting around up in there. He said, because some of them people, Prayers didn't get no higher than that roof. Now, if an alcoholic can determine that in some people, what is this presence of God? That's, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It searches the intent of the heart, the mind. It separates the marrow from the bone. That's sharp. It separates. And God's looking at that heart. He's not looking at your sacrifice that you're fooling everybody else with. He's looking beyond that, and he's looking in the heart. And if he sees that you're going to do it again tomorrow and you have no change in the first opportunity that you get, that you're going to indulge in whatever it is you indulge in, God's going to deal with that. Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then said Saul, this ain't over, Saul. You've worshipped, but we're going to get it right. We're going to get it like God wants it. Bring hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag come unto him delicately. In other words, he come easing up there, seeking favor, thinking surely. Surely the bitterness of death is past. No, Agag, it's not over. You've transgressed. God's not going to be satisfied until you mortify this deeds of this body, until you crucify this flesh, bringing every thought into captivity. The Bible says to the obedience of Christ. It's not over until you kill this flesh. Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Saul came no more. Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. I'm going to stop right there this morning while you stand. First Samuel sixteen fourteen, the Bible said that the Spirit of the Lord 
departed from Saul. What would it be to begin to get down on your knees and try to talk to God that you've transgressed, transgressed, transgressed time after time? And God's mercy just extended, extended. I've known of people that's came and prayed and sought God bitterly. They could never press through. They weep, they cry, but felt not the presence of God and got up and said, I went so far that God has, has departed. God won't hear me anymore. The Spirit of the Lord's departed. Said, I have signed your pardon. You may now. You can get pacified every once in a while with the presence of God. Magistrate said, look, let's get somebody that's skillful with a harp. And let's bring them in and let's let them play. It soothe and refresh the king. Guess who they got? They went and got David. Brother Williams, they went and got somebody with the anointing. They went and got somebody that would pay the price. And as he began to play, the Bible said this evil spirit that God put upon Saul, it would be calmed. God help us if we're one of those that can come into the presence of God and feel so comfortable and feel so pacified. Feel like we got it all together when we walk out of the building. Torment. Those addictions are right back on us because we fail to totally crucify the flesh with its lust and affections. His altars are open this morning. Jesus.